the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Best. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome back to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is an interesting and fun broadcast entitled Time Lords. Now, we'll need to bring this message to you in two parts due to our time constraints here today, but we hope that you'll listen to it online at reachingyourheart.com. You can also download a copy to your MP3 library from that website. That's reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Feel free to call us at any time. Let's get underway. Here's Pastor Mike. As we bow our heads today, we're grateful for Jesus, the great architect of the human race. We ask you to be with us in the opening of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Since 2011, astronomers and scientists have discovered about three exoplanets a week, adding to the number of worlds in our cosmic neighborhood. Now, there are people who spend their entire time trying to find a new planet. I mean, that'd be an amazing activity to be involved in. The magazine's interactive webpage can help you to visualize the planetary universe around planet Earth. You go online, you take your cursor, you touch the star and the world, and boom, you're looking at a new planet. The search for exoplanets is really a search for life itself. At the time of this article, there were 861 such planets identified in our cosmic neighborhood. There are already more identified. Every week, they're adding to the mix. They estimate that there are 100 billion planets in our galaxy, and it is believed that some of them hold life like the kind we have right here on planet Earth. Imagine 100 billion planets in our galaxy alone. The search for planets is also a search for worlds, so we can have real estate. How many of you like to own your own house? Imagine owning your own planet. And being able to terraform the planet and do with it whatever you want to do. Mankind has set his sights on conquering the universe. The Star Trek bug has bitten modern men and women. And people everywhere want to hitch a ride to the stars. In fact, I was recently surprised to discover that about 2,000 people have signed up for a one-way trip to the planet Mars. Can you believe that? I'd like a two-way trip to go and come home, but a one-way trip. If there's no other way to get there, they're willing to die on the planet Mars to get to Mars. It may come as a surprise to discover that the Bible teaches us that we have been visited for centuries by powerful watchers from outer space. In fact, nothing of significance happens in our world without the intervention and interaction of these watchers who are essentially time lords. Time lords. Let me illustrate this. Turn to Daniel 4, verse 10. Daniel 4, 10. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew great and became strong and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Verse 12. Its leaves were fair and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. 
The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the air dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had that dream. This is an amazing dream. In his dream, he himself appeared as a tree that ruled the earth and spread abroad. He was a cosmic tree that touched heaven and he touched the earth. And in the dream, the tree, meaning himself and his kingdom, it provided food for the beasts of the earth, anything that ate at the foot of the tree. And also in the tree, the birds of the air dwelt in its branches. And that's a curious image. Flying beasts visited the tree. Now, in the Bible, did you know that birds can represent demons? Did you know that? Well, it's true. In time Babylon is very similar to ancient Babylon in terms of the imagery. In Revelation 18.2, a bird in end-time Babylon represents a demon spirit that occupies the tree, so to speak, of end-time Babylon. Look at the verse. He called out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It has become a dwelling place of what? What does it say in the Bible? Of demons. A haunt of every foul spirit. And look how it describes it. A haunt of every foul and hateful bird. So an unclean bird is here identified as a demon and by implication a clean bird must represent what? An angel from God. So in the dream Nebuchadnezzar had, he saw these birds roosting in the top of the tree. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, the birds in the top of the tree are an illustration of supernatural beings that took their roost in his kingdom who watched, who observed what was happening down below. And so heaven and earth interacted with Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Daniel 4.13, I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and behold, a watcher, a holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. In verse 13, the Holy One that descends from heaven is called a watcher. The Bible unabashedly teaches in Daniel 4 that we are being observed by extraterrestrial beings who are holy ones and watchers. And God's judgments in the human sphere are collaborative decisions with these holy ones. The Bible speaks of a council of the heavenly universe. In fact, the term is used in the Old Testament, the council of the gods. Now, there's only one true God, but the term God is sometimes applied in a generic sense, not as the creator, not as the sustainer of the universe, but as beings with superpowers. It's applied to these watchers that are part of the divine council. Friend, God doesn't act alone in the Bible. He reasons with heavenly beings and together they decide the course of human history. These watchers participate in the divine judgment. In Daniel 7, 9, and 10, myriads of thrones surround His ultimate throne and the books are open and angels participate in the divine judgment against the Antichrist's little horn. There are certain churches out there that teach that God does not share His secrets with His universe that His ways are so inscrutable that He will not bring creatures into the divine council to make decisions. Now, I know that's not true because when God went down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, He went on a walk with Abraham. And He says, what should we do if there are so many that are righteous? And so a dialogue began between Abraham and God whereby the fate of that city was decided. The same thing happens at the cosmic heavenly realm. In Daniel 10, these watchers visit Daniel and they instruct him about the future. And in this interaction, we discover that they are at war with other angels who are in charge of Greece and Persia and by implication, other evil nations. So there are good birds 
And there are bad birds that roosted in Nebuchadnezzar's tree. In the book of Daniel, these watchers are time lords because they are the very ones who carry out the divine decree to depose kings and to set up new ones in their place. And because they participate in the divine council that changes the times and seasons of world monarchies, they are by definition time lords. Daniel 2 verse 20. Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Verse 21. He changes, what does it say? He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Very clearly in the context. When God changes the times and the seasons, He removes kings and He sets up kings. So if you are collaborative with God, in the removal of monarchies, you are someone from His perspective who is a time lord. You are helping to change the times of one monarchy to another. Now Daniel knew the future because these time lords revealed it to him. Daniel 8.13, here we have it. Then I heard a holy one speaking. This is a watcher. And another holy one said to that certain one that spoke. In the Hebrew it says the certain one. Now this one knows the future. In the context it is Jesus Christ. And so he asks the question for how long is the vision concerning the daily? The transgression that makes desolate. The giving over the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to him, so that certain one who knows the future said to that angel, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. Turn to Daniel 10, 14. Now this angel returns a number of years later. and He says to Daniel, I've come to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And this time, the same watcher promises Daniel that supernatural activity will transpire at the time of the end to awaken the world to God's truth. I mean, it may come as a surprise, but the success of God's church is not dependent on how smart we are. It's not dependent on how good we are at playing church or doing our role in church. In fact, we cannot effectively reach our world for Jesus unless God reaches the world for us and through us. And so at the time of the end, Daniel 12, 3, the same being, this watcher, this time lord that's telling him what will happen in the latter days, tells Daniel in clearest terms that supernatural activity will interact with the book of Daniel at the time of the end. Verse 3, But you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and what does it say? And knowledge shall increase. In the book of Daniel, when you shut up the words, you are essentially binding the angels that delivers God's words. In other words, if you think of a word that comes from God, you have to think of an angel that delivers the word. The words do not come in a vacuum. Let me illustrate this. Turn to Daniel 9.23. The Bible says here, at the beginning of your supplications, a word went forth. Now the angel's speaking here. And I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the word and understand the vision. So here is God. He gives the word. He gives the word to the angel. The angel then delivers it to the prophet, and the prophet then gives it to the people. So the word and the angel are glued together. So if you shut up the words at the end of time, if you bind the words, if you prevent them from going out, you are essentially waiting for angelic activity to accompany the unsealing of the book of Daniel at the time of the end. 
So in the context, the angel carries a word from God that helps Daniel understand the vision. According to the Bible, we are living in a time, the time of the end, when the spiritual birds that lodged in Nebuchadnezzar's tree are loose to make a difference for truth in the last days. I don't know about you, I kind of like the idea of extraterrestrials buzzing about me. Do you? Friend, we are interacting in a world where spiritual forces are powerful and alive all around us. If you don't feel it in your struggles of the week, you're missing it. It's not the sum total of what we think and do. There's a devil out there. He has angels that roost in the top of the tree. And the Lord has angels that stay there and beat them back. And in my life, I interact with them both, and I don't like them. I don't like the evil kind. I want God's angels with me. And it's a fact, when you get into your Bible and you study the Word of God, you cannot understand the Bible unless God's angels interact through the Holy Spirit to open the Word of God to you so that you can grow and know God. So let's pray that those birds roost in our tree, right? So Daniel 12, the question must be asked in light of the context, who are the many in Daniel 12, 4 that go back and forth to and fro when the book is unsealed at the time of the end? Daniel 12, 4, in fact, is a direct allusion to the four time lords of the book of Zechariah who will reappear at the time of the end. In fact, we cannot understand Daniel 12. We cannot understand the sixth trumpet of Revelation, which speaks of this same imagery of four angels, unless we go to the book of Zechariah to discover who these time lords are. Now, God raised up the prophet Zechariah shortly after the ministry of Daniel to came to an end to complete the picture that Daniel gave us. Zechariah was a prophet who prophesied in the days when the people of God left Babylon to come back to Palestine to build the temple. He was a prophet of God that was used to lead his people after a long captivity in Babylon. In fact, it's a principle. When God's people have been in a time of captivity, there is a prophetic movement that arises. Angels interact with prophets to raise up the people of God at the end of a captivity. In fact, we know that the largest captivity at all is the medieval captivity that operated for 1,260 years. And for the pattern to be true, we should expect after the year 1798, when that long time prophecy came to an end, that there would be prophetic activity building up the church of Jesus Christ. So in the book of Zechariah, we see these watchers that Daniel observed making a difference in his day to judge the nations, to bring peace to God's people at the end of a captivity. The book of Zechariah has E.T. intervention written all over it. Zechariah 1.1, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, the prophet saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Now, I understand what that verse means. I've been angry with my children. Have you ever been angry with your children? Oh, sure you have. Because when my children do not become all that they can be, something in me wants them to be all that they can be. I don't want to settle for anything less than what God wants them. And if I see forces interacting to try and stifle their productivity, to keep them from rising to greatness as God would have, something in me as a father gets a little tight. Is that normal? And I want to see them grow up and become the kind of people they should be. We cannot limit God to something less than what we are. 
We cannot make God a Mr. Spock on His throne that has no feelings, so to speak. Our God is passionate about His people. Yes, the Lord was angry with the fathers. Why? Because He loved them. A passionate interaction with His people to save them. Verse 3, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. This is a passion plea from God for his people to come home to him. Friend, there are times in life we leave God. And there are times in life we lose God's presence because of disobedience and faithlessness in the church. A person can leave God and a people can leave God too. A father can leave God and a family can leave God. A church can leave God. And the remnant church can leave God if it's not obedient to God. I mean, we're no exception to the rule. And when men and women leave God, God is gone for a while as they enter into captivity because of their chosen disobedience. And so God waits for His people to return to Him. God suffers in that time. A captivity for His people is a time of suffering for God. In Jeremiah 29, the prophet had predicted that God's people would go into captivity. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And look at verse 14. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I mean, who's taking the initiative here? It's the Lord. God says, listen, you leave me. I'll let you go. But I will call you back. And if you don't resist that call, I will take the initiative to restore you. I will take the initiative to heal you. I will bring you back when you can't come back on your own. The book of Zechariah begins with a plea to return to God. It is God who is angry with His people. Yes, He's angry. He doesn't want them to be lost. That makes a God of love angry. But it's not anger that's resentful. It's anger that is love. Because He wants His people to come home. No man or woman comes home to God in any age unless God calls them home first. Friend, we cannot hear the voice of God to come home unless God turns our hearing aid on so we can hear. The world is a way of making it hard to hear. And so the prophet's voice is heard as the voice of God. When deaf ears abound, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. When a man or woman returns to God with all of their heart, God brings that man or woman out of captivity. God sends His time lords to change the bad times into better times where God can be found. A future and a hope, friend, is what God has for you when you return to God as He in turn returns to you. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. What are they? Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That's the truth, dear friend. God is not out to get you. He's out to get you, so to speak. He's out to get you back home. In the book of Zechariah, the time lords implement God's decree to give His people a future and a hope. They effectualize what God has spoken from His throne to make it happen here on earth. 
Friend, if God offers you a future and a hope, you need to take it. If God offers you a way out of perplexity, you need to walk down the right path and get on the road that leads away from it. We are living in a time when men and women need to ask God what He wants them to do and not what they want to do for Him. You see, it's more important to be in the will of God than to insist that your will be done by God. The best road you make for yourself is a bad road if God is not leading you on that road. So God sent His people into Babylon for 70 years to teach them to obey the voice of the prophets, to appreciate the words that angels carry to them. Friend, when God gives you a word in the Bible, it comes through an angel to a prophet, and you better obey that word because angels don't like being mocked. 2 Chronicles 36, 15, and 16. Look at this. It says, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by His messengers. The Hebrew literally says angels. Because He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. But they kept mocking, in the Hebrew, the angels of God. Again, the Hebrew word is angels here. Despising His words. You see how the angels and words are glued together. Scoffing at His prophets till the wrath of the Lord rose up against His people till there was no remedy. When God sends angels with words, they have authority and they must be obeyed. God sends a word. A prophet receives the word from the angel. It becomes His word as it was the angel's word that came from God. And if God is the source of the word, you'd better not take the word of the prophet or the word of the angel lightly. Am I right? You don't need to scoff that. The Christian church today does not need smart people inventing a new theology to guide the church. Did you hear me? It doesn't need this. The Christian church today needs men and women of God who will not despise God's angels who are a lot smarter than us and God's Word and God's message in the Bible. In the Bible, God's judgment falls because His people have rejected His Word. God's people go into exile because they reject the truths that angels carry to the prophets. Second Chronicles 36, 20 and 21. Nebuchadnezzar took them into exile in Babylon, those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the king of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill. How many years? What does it say? Seventy years. Now, the number 70 is a factor of two numbers, and you can factor it more than this. One times 70, but really it's a factor of seven times ten. Seven is the number that ends on the Sabbath day, right? On the seventh day, God finished His work. And the reason for the captivity is they ignored the sabbatical rests of the land. Every seventh year it was to rest. Seven times ten is seventy. Ten is the number for God's law. God's people need to keep His Sabbath. They need to obey His law. The number 70 represents a judgment on those who reject God's law and His Sabbath. So we live in a time when men and women think that they can rest without God. They worship on their own moral terms. They invent their own constructs to force God into it instead of submitting to God's Word. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus proclaimed the great invitation to return to God and rest. Here it is, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And what does he say? And I will give you rest. He doesn't say the church will give you rest. He doesn't say your new belief system will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When God calls a man or woman out of captivity, He calls that man or woman to freedom. He calls that person to freedom in God and Jesus and His Word. Chains are taken off. That which has bound you falls to the ground because you stand as a son and daughter by faith in Jesus Christ, a son and daughter of God. When God's people are in captivity, it's hard to rest when the oppressor's hand rests heavy on your head and on your back. Jesus came to set the captives free in Luke 4. So back to Zechariah where E.T. is on the ground making a difference for restless souls. You need to come home at the end of the Babylonian captivity. The time lords move out when it's time to come home to God. Zechariah 1.7 On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shavat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edu, the prophet. And Zechariah said, now the date is significant in the context. Let's pause there. The month of Shavat is the 11th month in the year. And it was the time, according to the rabbis, when the water ascended in the trees from the roots so that the tree would come to life. The 15th of the month of Shavuot was called the new year of the trees. It represents a changing of the times for the trees. The Bible says a righteous man is like a tree planted by the river of water. So here are angelic beings in the context, as we will see, interacting at the time when God's people can have new life coming from the roots, where they can rise again, where the life of God can come into the nation. That's going to conclude the first portion of Time Lords. You can go online to reachingyourheart.com if you'd like to download a copy of this message. You'll find it under the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Just look for today's date. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time with any questions that you have. Please don't forget us when you're thinking of your contributions. We continue here because of your kind and generous offerings. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Thanks for listening, and as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.